Did everything in life happen by chance, or was everything designed for a purpose? What about gender? Did it start evolving millions of years ago, or did God create male and female in the beginning? Stay tuned. The Bible says that in the beginning, when God created His image in man, He says, male and female created He them. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. As creationists, we know that gender was no accident. In Genesis 1, verse 27, we're told, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Please join us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss God's purpose for gender in the family unit and explain why the existence of the different sexes in an evolutionary setting would not be advantageous to survival. It's strange to think that the chance development of animals and humans through evolution would yield two genders. And it's even stranger when you consider that these two genders are compatible with each other. Molecular biologist Dr. Kevin Anderson is director of Creation Research Society's Van Andel Research Center in Chino Valley, Arizona. He says if evolution were true, gender would not be necessary. Well, I think when we're talking about evolution of gender, the first thing we need to consider is why you would even have two gender. Because clearly in the evolution idea, you would have single cells as your first cellular systems and there'd be no gender. It would just simply be these cells, similar to bacteria today, they would just simply divide. They'd be asexual. There would be no male-female. There'd be no necessity of any kind of sexual system for replication. Because most bacteria reproduce asexually and quickly and can adapt to any environment, it would seem, evolutionarily speaking, that this would be the most efficient way to sustain life. Why would evolution then waste time with all these other creatures that have now become extinct that we see throughout the fossil record? Why would evolution waste all this time and energy trying to develop creatures that aren't as adapt as bacteria? Because presumably evolution is supposed to be based upon survival, what is adapted the best, what survives the best, and bacteria is the best. Therefore, why would evolution give you anything else? Why is evolution not only moving away from the best, which is bacteria, but now introducing the concept of gender, which was requiring then sexual reproduction, which is a much less efficient, slower process? Dr. David DeWitt, professor of biology at Liberty University in Virginia, agrees that in an evolutionary scenario, it wouldn't make sense for gender to have evolved. According to the theory of evolution, all traits need to have some type of selective advantage for them to be maintained and overcome in a population. In the case of sexual reproduction, there's no explanation for how this could arise in the first place. Dr. Anderson tells us that even well-known evolutionists can't understand the need for gender evolution. Ernest Mayer even was a very famous evolutionist who just died here recently. He raised the question even that he could not explain why there was anything on this planet besides bacteria. And Dr. DeWitt says the evolutionary attempts to explain the existence of gender just aren't acceptable. Evolutionists have offered two explanations for the origin of different sexes and organisms. One to increase genetic diversity in the second to repair defective genes. However, both of these are inadequate. 
First, increased genetic diversity is not necessarily a good thing. The environment is unlikely to change so much so quickly, so offspring shouldn't need to be radically different from their parents. And also, there are plenty of organisms that reproduce effectively asexually. And in regards to repairing defective genes, recent study in Arabidopsis showed that this plant was able to fix mutations. So this would be a much more effective means to fix defective genes than having different sexes of organisms. The fact that we have male and female genders points to the creator. Creator who made them male and female, blessed them that they might reproduce after their kind. Evolution has no explanation for how the different sexes could arise or why there should only be two. ICR President Dr. John Morris says the biblical teaching of the creation of male and female in the Garden of Eden is the only logical explanation for the origin of gender. You, know, you might think if evolution were true and animals just acquired gender, why just two? Why not three or four or twenty? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen just by natural processes. Why not more? The only view that really makes sense is that God designed it this way. He designed males and females and designed to propagate each kind through through reproduction, many times through sexual reproduction. That's the only view that makes sense. The evolution view doesn't make sense. But are there any facts that point to gender evolution? Dr. Anderson. Absolutely no, no evidence, no mechanism of how you would say that a asexual, binary dividing, just cutting in half type, cell would suddenly decide, I want to become a male or a female. And then, of course, you've got to make sure that you have another cell deciding to do the same thing. Otherwise, you don't get a date Saturday night. While evolution would have no need for gender, our Creator God had specific reasons for creating man and woman. Dr. Morris. The Bible says that in the beginning, when God created His image in man, He says, male and female created He them. Something about male plus something about female together that can adequately represent the image of God. Each one is incomplete without the other. Together, the male-female union can, even more than an individual can, reflect the image of God, I believe. Dr. Anderson. In a creationist model, that is by design. God said, I wanted humans. I wanted cows. I wanted fish. And therefore, to have them, I need to have a mechanism for them to divide, and sexual reproduction is the best way. And certainly God also uses in the human, he uses sexual reproduction as part of just the very essence of the family unit, the very essence of of how we survive as a society, how we exist in Christ as a group. We have marriage of one man and one wife, uh, one woman, one man. They then give children. Dr. DeWitt points out that it's an amazing thing that a child, no matter what its gender, is a combination of both mother and father, and yet is a totally separate individual. I will never forget when I saw my daughter for the first time. I remembered the verse from Genesis, The two shall become one flesh. Here was this precious baby that was half me and half my wife, yet you couldn't distinguish which part was which. She was a new person, not me, and not my wife, yet somehow she was a combination of us both, and still something new. 
I've heard different explanations for what it means for the husband and wife to become one flesh, but I cannot help but think it also points to the development and birth of a child. But what happens when God's design of gender and the family unit becomes distorted or perverted in some way? Dr. Anderson says when we biologically misuse our bodies, we go against creation and the very reason God created gender. When you get into homosexuality, for example, that serves no purpose in God's creation. It serves no purpose in, in reproduction. It serves no purpose in the family unit, which God has designed as one man and one woman. There's no place in the Bible for sex outside of marriage, and there's no place in the Bible for any kind of marriage than between a man and a woman. And that's part of how God then has used sexual reproduction to define his will of what a family is. Not only does homosexual behavior go against God's plan, it's also unnatural because we simply weren't created that way. Sexual relations between same sex is shall we say, inappropriate in that we're not built that way. God didn't make us that way. That's not how we're designed. So it involves activities that the Bible describes as perverse. It involves activities that the Bible just simply describes as those are abominations to God. And that, in many instances, because we weren't designed to be that. And that's all part of God's designing of sexual reproduction and what God had as his perfect design for sexual reproduction and for sexual activity. But what about the claims that homosexuals are born this way and can't help who they are? Dr. Morris says if this were true, God would not have called this activity sin. It's been pointed out that God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And there's no hint here that there's another, another gender, there's an in-between form. This idea of homosexual behavior, this is repugnant in God's eyes. He didn't create it that way. He created things male and female, and that's the way they are. Even if there's tendencies in certain areas, the Bible identifies homosexual behavior as sin. We must choose not to sin. And there's always a way to do things right. There's no temptation so great that we must succumb to it. There's always a way to escape, the Bible tells us. And Dr. Morris says people who find themselves trapped in a homosexual lifestyle need to learn the truth of how God really created them. This is a sensitive area today. I want to be careful. Many people get involved in these issues. They're recruited. They're lied to. They're deceived. They're taught they were born this way. Or, and this is not true. They're born either male or female, and that's the way it is. Besides claiming that homosexuality is the result of genetics, Homosexual groups have also cited evolution as the cause of their behavior. Even though people get involved for different reasons, whenever a leader of the homosexual movement tries to give a systematic defense of homosexual behavior, they always use evolution to do so. In fact, there's a whole movement among evolution these days called sociobiology, the idea of studying an animal group and seeing the different behaviors that these animals go through and apply it to humans. Well, after all, we're animals. We're just a higher animal. Let's apply animal behavior to human behavior. And we all know that certain animals do certain things to one another. And I, I doubt that these animals think they're accomplishing a homosexual act. Animals are not homosexuals. This is a choice, a sinful choice that some humans make but they don't have to make it. Many times they're deceived into making such a choice, but the truth is that God created male and female, and it's best just to stick right there. In this world, we're bombarded by evolutionary ideas that seem to creep into every aspect of our lives. 
evolution philosophy strikes at the very being of who we really are and the way our God has created us with gender. Dr. Morris. Isn't the Creator wonderful? He created male and female in His image and blessed humankind with that trait. As male and female together, we can adequately reflect His image. And then as the male and female come together, we're one flesh once again and, and a picture of the union that we can have with, with Jesus Christ and with the Father. In His wisdom, He decided that this was the best way. And we need to submit to that and agree and thank Him for what He's done. The Bible identifies the church, Christian believers, as the bride of Christ. And isn't that an amazing picture that, that through our submission to Him, through our recognition that He has died for us, that He has paid the penalty for our sins so that we can have eternal life, we in essence are, are married to Him and, and will be one with Him throughout all eternity. Praise His name. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.